So some of our cabiners are starting to trickle back. It's good to see some of you. Because many times I don't get a chance to see some families because they're up north almost every weekend in the summer. So it's good to see some of you uh, today. Many of us remember a toy that children of one, two, year, two years old play with. It's a perception toy. It usually is a ball about this big, and there are different shaped holes in that ball. And then, of course, there are the pieces that match those shapes in the ball. And the child is to try to learn to acquire perception, to know how to take the right piece and fit it into the right hole. And they quickly find out that you can't take this cross piece and fit it through the round hole. Neither can you take the round piece or fit it in the square hole. A very important exercise that bears much fruit later in life. How many of us have been on a plane? And we've, there's always one or two on those flights who have this huge piece of luggage that they think is going to fit in that small little compartment above the seat. Major perception problems, yes? And it can be actually quite entertaining to watch them to try to make that fit. So if any of us know of people like this, Maybe we can buy them this toy. Maybe they were deprived of it as a child, but if they could just spend a little time with that toy, it'll help them on the plane. Yes? Strive to enter through the narrow gate. Strive to enter through the narrow gate. Why does Jesus say this? Because the gate that opens into heaven is a particular shape. Symbolically speaking, we can say, for example, that this gate could be the shape of a child. For Jesus said, unless you and I become like children, we cannot enter the kingdom of God. But that's another homily. Perhaps in a more general way, we can say that the shape of this gate and the reason why it's narrow is because it only has the shape of the life of Jesus. And as we look at the life of Jesus in the Gospels, we see that the shape of the life of Jesus is the shape of mercy. It's the shape of mercy. And this mercy of Jesus is twofold. It first has the shape of the mercy that you and I need 
because we are sinners that you and I need to receive in order to be saved and redeemed by the blood of Christ. This is why we have spent so many weeks in this first part of the year of mercy, emphasizing the importance of being unafraid to acknowledge that we are sinners, deeply loved by Jesus, and allowing ourselves to open on a daily basis to that beautiful mercy of God for us. But now there's another part of that mercy that we need to talk about in the next several weeks. And that is taking this mercy that we have received and giving it to others. There are many forms that this mercy can take, but the church clarifies for us particular expressions that are very prominent and common throughout the scriptures and the life of the church. And we call those the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. Many of us learned that in our days of catechism. Anybody, can you rattle those off? I don't think I could. I'd have to go look at the list. But we need to talk about those spiritual and corporal works of mercy so that your life and my life may take the form of mercy that is the very life of Jesus Christ. But before we do this, I want to emphasize the connection between the two. There are many basic principles of life. And one is, I cannot give what I do not have. We all know this. I cannot give to another what I do not have myself. This is why I need first to experience God ravage, ravishing my heart with the power and beauty of mercy so that I might give that mercy to another person. When we look at the disciples of Jesus in the rough in those first few years, they were not capable of being instruments of mercy. On the contrary, when we read those Gospels, we see that, like us sometimes, they could be very critical, very harsh, condemning, judgmental. Jesus need, needed to work on their hearts. They needed to experience the mercy of God for them. And so Peter, for example... That moment when he meets the merciful gaze of Jesus, after he denies the Lord three times, his heart breaks and melts. 
that mercy from the eyes of Jesus pierces right into his heart and it leads to the most beautiful sorrow. And it says that he went out and wept bitterly. It was this experience that would allow Peter to be able to be an ambassador of the mercy of Jesus. St. Paul, that zealous, rigorous defender of Orthodox Judaism, on his way to Damascus to extend his persecution of Christianity, he is struck to the ground by an encounter with Jesus Christ, who at that moment becomes his personal Savior, and he realizes that his persecution is an act against Jesus himself. And like Peter, it leads to the most beautiful repentance. And he never forgets this. He has this overwhelming thought throughout his bringing the gospel to the Gentiles that I am the least of the apostles because of what I've done. And then he says, I live the life of faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. St. Mary Magdalene, from whom the Lord drove out seven demons, was no doubt one of the greatest apostles of the mercy of the Lord. We don't know much about her life after the resurrection, but there's no question that because of this overwhelming experience of God's mercy toward her, she was able to show that mercy to many sinners like her and to probably bring many of them to Jesus Christ. You know, this is why St. John Paul II, Pope Benedict, and now Pope Francis have always insisted that priests frequently come to the sacrament of confession that by the experience of mercy toward us, that we can better be an instrument and bridge of God's mercy to those who come to confession. This is why I try to go to confession at least once a week so that I can give to others the mercy that I am experiencing on a regular basis. Whenever we become harsh, critical, and condemning, and gossiping about others, this is always a sign that we have either forgotten and need to experience God's mercy towards us again. There have been times in my life where I could be so hard on my parents, so critical of my parents, sometimes of my peers, sometimes classmates or other people, and then God would show me my sin. 
He would humble me and take the poison of that condemnation and criticism of my heart so that I could again be merciful. September 4th, Mother Teresa is going to be canonized a saint. Saint Teresa of Calcutta. And the reason why she is a saint, the reason why she was able to pass through that narrow gate is because her life took the shape of Christ's mercy. So in the weeks ahead, as we talk about these spiritual and corporal works of mercy, how we can put them into practice and integrate them into our life so that your life and my life will take this shape and we will not be standing outside the gate unable to enter in. Amen? Amen.